1: This is the Tom Hartman Program. Reporting the circus from the cheap seats. That's the title of the article in the Storm Lake Times. The publisher and editor of this uh, Iowa newspaper, Storm Lake, Iowa, uh, the 2017 recipient of the Pulitzer Prize for Editorial Writing, the author of Storm Lake, a Chronicle of Change, Resilience, and Hope, from a heartland newspaper, stormlake.com. The website is Art Cullen. Cullen underscore Art on Twitter or SL Times. And Art, welcome back to the program. It's been quite a while. Tell us about what the Iowa Republicans are up to here with regard to the press.
0: Well, earlier this week, Majority Leader of the Iowa Senate, Jack Whitver, a Republican, said that reporters, for the first time in 120 years, were no longer welcome to sit on the press bench on the Senate floor. Instead, they were going to be sent up to the balcony, the uh, the peanut gallery upstairs to sit, where they can barely see the senators on the floor. And it's all part of this Republican uh, attack on the media that's going on across the country. And they just uh, are looking for new and inventive ways to wage this war.
1: This is, this is something that autocratic or authoritarian regimes typically do, is, you know, first go after the media. When Donald Trump first started calling the media the enemy of the people, that... That should have been a huge flag, yeah. you know, when the president of the United States is quoting Joe Stalin.
0: Yeah, and then it works down to the state legislators who uh, play the same game with us—a yeah. little twice-a-week newspaper in the middle of nowhere—and then they they try and bat us around too. And here we are running pictures of dogs and yeah. weddings you know how
1: did how did it used to work? I understand that a hundred and forty years ago they built benches along the walls around the periphery or the perimeter of the of the state Senate so that reporters could sit there and the legislators actually, liked it, because if they wanted to leak a story or, you know, pass something sure. along on the QT, they could just walk over to to a reporter and whisper in their ear. Do I have that right?
0: Yeah, like they actually built it into the walls for that express purpose, you know, eons ago. And it worked fine for a hundred over a century until this whole right-wing nut machine decided to make us the enemy of the people, as you say, the fake yeah. news, the lamestream media. So what happens is then they lose access to those reporters reporters and they think they don't need them but people still read the des moines register and they still use the associated press You know, I just don't think these games are going to be successful in the long term when people realize they're trying to shut them out of the public process. After all, reporters are just citizens. We hold no license. And eventually the public's going to say, you know what, they're locking me out when they're locking reporters out because we're both just average citizens trying to observe the public's business.
1: I've noticed in a in a more macro sense, we've got two Democratic senators who are outliers with regard to voting rights right now and and, and build back better for that matter, Cinema and Manchin. And in Arizona, Big Pharma apparently has been paying from press reports I've seen over a million dollars worth of advertising talking about how wonderful Kirsten Cinema is. Somebody on Twitter were trying to get the actual listable audio. He recorded off his TV set ads that are running in West Virginia talking about how wonderful Joe Manchin is and he's fighting for your rights and all this kind of stuff, actually claiming that he's fighting to do the stuff that's in Build Back Better, that he's preventing. Do you think that this is their strategy, the, the the strategy that these two Democrats have embraced, that the that the entire Republican Party has just decided, you know, it doesn't matter what the media says, it doesn't matter what the press says, when the elections come or when we need to influence public opinion. Our big corporate donors will simply buy a million dollars worth of ads and carpet bomb our congressional district with them, and we'll be good.
0: They don't even need to buy a million dollars worth of ads. They already control this great right-wing megaphone, Fox News, Sinclair Broadcasting. Facebook they already control all these these conduits of information and then in Iowa they control the pews in the churches as well there's no stronger vehicle to send a message than through the mouth of a preacher and they're all—they're saying that teachers in Iowa and, of course, the news media are promoting sexual deviancy among children in schools, and they're preparing a, a list of books to ban in Iowa as obscene. It's getting real scary, real fast. I mean, you know, you can almost laugh at the reporters, carping about the fact that they can't sit on the press bench anymore. Oh, you know, laugh them upstairs. But they're also talking about banning books that high school students could read. Catcher in the Rye or Huckleberry Finn might not be available to your student
1: anymore. That's amazing. We're talking with Art Cullen, the publisher and editor of the Storm Lake Times out of Storm Lake, Iowa, 2017 recipient of the Pulitzer Prize for editorial writing. Art, what is is your sense of politics in general in Iowa? I mean, Iowa went for Obama at least once, maybe twice. yeah so it's arguably a swing state you know the republicans are in in control of the political mechanisms of your state what's going on there
0: yeah right they have a trifecta in the legislature they have the senate the house and the governor and we ha- the democrats have the attorney general and the auditor and that's the only statewide elected officials who are who are democrats and they you know have four out of or uh, three out of the four congressional districts both senators what happened is that the democrats have been flying over rural america and ignored them for the last roughly 50 years. When things just didn't get better with Obama, you know, Obamacare isn't that much better than what we had before. They shied away from single payer. People threw up their hands and said, screw it, we might as well elect Donald Trump by double digits. And they have. And the message to them is guns, abortion, leave me alone. And I guess you might as well, since the Democrats have left them alone for the last 50 years. Yeah. Well, and, uh, uh, the, it breeds a the same... lot of resentment. NAFTA, you know, has emptied out the Mississippi River towns of Keokuk and Davenport and Clinton. People get angry, and eventually they attack the Michigan Capitol. That was a dress rehearsal for attacking the U.S. Capitol. Yeah. Yeah, good point.
1: Happening across rural America. I absolutely get it and totally agree. And not to mention the fact that there's 1,500 right-wing radio stations out there that are constantly exactly. pouring this poison into people's ears as they as they hop in their cars. Wasn't the you know Howard Dean had that 50-state strategy, and I think yeah. he was running the DNC when when Obama was running for president. Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm mixing my timelines up here, but.
0: It seems like that was the case.
1: Yeah, and that probably had something to do with Obama getting elected president. You say that you know the Democratic. J.D.
0: 20s... Shulton ran for Congress against Steve King and came within three percentage points of him. You know how much money he got out of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee? No. Zero, zilch,
1: nada. Oh my God. So we've got we've got a lot of work to do in what the Republicans say the Democrats call flyover country. I'm absolutely with you. Thank you, you, Tom. Good talking to you. Art Cullen, Pulitzer Prize-winning publisher and editor of the Storm Lake Times, StormLake.com. Cullen underscore Art on Twitter. So the Republican Party, we were just talking with Art about how the Republicans don't want the press have access, shall we say. You can sit in the peanut gallery way up there in the, in the, you know, in the cheap seats, but you can't sit down here on the floor of the, of the Senate with the rest of us. They don't want the press reporting on politics in Iowa. Republicans don't want. Well, now the RNC has made another pretty major step with regard to presidential debates. Now, this is a story most people are completely unfamiliar with the backstory here. So you know, let me fill you in. This, I think you'll find this fascinating. Remember the League of Women Voters? If you're old enough, you do. Uh, The League of Women Voters sponsored the Nixon-Kennedy debates. Uh, They sponsored, uh, I I, I, I suppose I need not go through every presidential debate of my lifetime, but basically um, throughout my lifetime, up until 1988, up until the election of 88, of George Herbert Walker Bush against Michael Dukakis, up until that election, All of the debates were sponsored by this completely nonpartisan group, the the League of Women Voters. And then in 88, the Bush campaign, James Baker was the point on this, as I recall, the Bush campaign, the George Herbert Walker Bush campaign, Bush the elder campaign said, we don't want a debate that is run by the League of Women Voters, because they tended to have people ask hard questions, ask follow-up questions. They say, you know, we want a debate that is a little more manageable. So what, and, and the Democrats weren't altogether, I mean, both parties have politicians who are less than happy about, <laughs> about being pinned down when it comes to specific policies. Let's, let's just you know, put it that way. And so the GOP and the DNC got together in, in 1987 you know, as we were heading toward the 88 elections, they got together and they created this new corporation. It's a, it's a completely separate entity. It's called the, uh, the Commission on Elections, uh, the Commission on Presidential Debates, excuse me. They literally created this commission and stocked it, or stacked it 50-50 with the Republicans and Democrats. And the commission is who has been sponsoring these debates ever since they kicked out, ever since the Republicans said, we don't want the League of Women Voters anymore. Well, this week, Rona Romney McDaniel, the chairperson of the Republican Party, after apparently some complaining in the Republican Party, said, no, we're not, we're not going to do this. Uh, we're not going to work with you guys anymore. She says the RNC is going to start the process of amending its rules at its winter meeting, quote, to prohibit future Republican nominees from participating in debates sponsored by the Commission on Presidential Debates. So they're going to actually say as a party, as a political party, you guys may not participate. Now, this would be presumably also for primary debates. You guys may not participate in these debates. My guess is that where they're going with this is that they will only, the Republicans will only participate in debates moderated by Fox News. But this is not what they're saying. This is just my guess. Trump was the guy who started this, by the way. This was back in 2016 when he was running against Hillary Clinton. And he was complaining that Mike McCurry was on the board of the Commission on Presidential Debates. Now, Mike McCurry used to be. Bill Clinton's press secretary. He's a Democrat. But that's how it's supposed to work. The board is half Democrats, half Republicans. But Donald Trump was all upset that there was an actual Democrat on that board and that began this process. So hang on. It's getting weird. Meanwhile, in uh, Arizona, there is uh, strange goings on. The Arizona state legislature a candidate for the Arizona state legislature, just got suspended and his his company got banned. He's been running basically a troll farm out of Arizona. And uh, it turns out that this particular guy who's been running the troll farm, he's one of these guys who signed the fake elector forms saying that Donald Trump actually won Arizona. His name is State Representative Jake Hoffman. Uh, Jake Hoffman. And he's he's banned by Twitter, and he was banned by Facebook for violating the rules, for running a troll farm. Jake Hoffman signed this fake election certification, along with a bunch of other people in Arizona, along with Nancy Cottle, Lorraine Pellegrino, Tyler Bauer, Jake Hoffman, who I mentioned, Anthony Kern, James Lamon, Robert Montgomery, Samuel Moorhead, Greg Safston, Kelly Ward, Kelly Ward. Interesting. I I don't know if that's the Kelly Ward and Michael Ward. Probably different people, but who knows? Anyhow, we've got the names now of all these bogus electors, these people who participated in this fraud, this forgery. There's a shady ex-cop, Michael McDonald, out of Nevada, who appears to be behind the Nevada one.
3: welding instructor alex declare knows vr training platforms like forge fx help students master their skills
4: there's a big learning curve with welding virtual
2: reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need learn more at meta.com
3: metaverse impact
1: Longtime listeners to this program remember that uh, Stuart rhodes used to come on this show along with uh, sheriff mac and debate me <laughs> on issues this was like you know a decade ago uh, he's the founder uh, and leader of the oath keepers militia and uh, there was a time when you know you could actually engage in rational debate with these guys maybe that time will come back again i don't know but but you also less long-term listeners of this program will recall that i have been quoting the law about seditious conspiracy for some time here wondering out loud. This is 18 U.S. Code 2384. It's titled Seditious Conspiracy. It's 20 years in prison. If two or more persons in any state or territory or any place subject to the jurisdiction of the United States conspire to overthrow, put down, or destroy by force the government of the United States, or to levy war against them, or to pose by force the authority thereof, this law was passed 1948, by the way, June 25th, 1948, or to oppose by force the authority of the United States, or by force to prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law of the United States, or by force to seize, take, or possess any property of the United States, like, hey, the Electoral College ballots, or the Capitol building, they shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 20 years or both. So, Stuart Rhodes just got arrested for seditious conspiracy. This is the first, to the best of my knowledge, the first arrest for seditious conspiracy. He was arrested. He's a former army paratrooper. He had a. He has a law degree from Yale. Uh, I, you know, I remember from the time that he was on this program, he's a smart guy. And uh, apparently, he is now in big trouble. So we'll see how all this plays out and shakes out, and and you know, all that, all that sort of thing. So, Pamela in Bremerton, Washington. Hey, Pamela, what's up?
2: Hey, Tom. I just wanted to say, you know, the only reason Trump and the Republicans have so much sway over the public is mainly because of the massive reach of Fox, OAN, Newsmax, and like you've talked about, the 1,500 conservative radio stations across the country spewing lies and misinformation. Yeah. You know, I don't see the Democrats or the mainstream media talk about that. They dance around the issue, but they won't call it out. The like, Democratic Party is- n-
1: never built a media machine. This this goes back to that, I think it was in 2006, yeah. when, when uh, a bunch of us from Air America went to Washington, D.C. to meet with a bunch of Democratic members of uh, the House and Senate to talk about, you know, trying to get... THEM TO ENCOURAGE LARGE DEMOCRATIC DONORS TO INVEST IN AN INFORMATION INFRASTRUCTURE ON THE LEFT, AS IT WERE, AND and WE BASICALLY GOT SHOT DOWN and and i mean bernie was there advocating for it but there were a couple of other senators who uh, one in particular who who was saying no no the, this is you should leave this to the free market and that senator later uh, you know t- tried to run for president and and it didn't work all, all that well and i think it's because the democrats did not build out a progressive media i mean they they viewed us basically as begging for money for air america which is not what we were trying to do we were trying to say there needs to be a national progressive media infrastructure effort and the, there, there has been a conservative one for, well, since the, since the 80s and, and, you know, since the Reagan administration. And uh, there is nothing like, literally nothing like that on the left. I mean, the closest you get to that is this program and, and the ecosystem of, you know, progressive blogs and, and shows and networks like, you know, Sirius XM Progress Channel or Free Speech TV at freespeech.org that's about as and 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 the you know we got a couple a handful of radio commercial radio stations god bless them all please support them and and a bunch of non-profit stations you know through Pacifica but it is it pales in comparison to this monster that the that these right-wing billionaires and and uh, their trust funds and their think tanks have built on the other side it just pales in comparison so
2: Yes, I agree.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Pamela. Uh,
2: Keep doing what you're doing.
1: Okay, I'll do my best. Thanks a lot, Pamela. Sean in Davenport, Iowa. Hey, Sean, what's on your mind today?
2: Hey, Tom. I don't know if you heard the reports, but I'm going to talk about um, uh, state-level legislature here in Iowa. They just started their legislative session. It's controlled by the Republican Party. The Democratic minority leader, Zach Wall, he's a senator, made a statement. Basically, for 140 years, Iowa has had press cover the Senate floor when they're in session, and the decision was made by the Republican majority to ban them, prohibit them, after 140 years of precedent. I don't know if you know that, but that's what's going on in my state. I know you said, talked about things going on in, you know, Governor DeSantis in Florida yesterday, so this is a major concern. Now they're just kicking out journalists.
1: Yeah, I read that last week, um, and I don't recall if we mentioned it on the air or not. We certainly should have, Sean, and my apologies if I didn't. How is it playing in Iowa? How are the media dealing with this? Is this a major story, or is this just some minor little thing?
5: I was
2: changed ever since like 2016, in my opinion, from living here. Uh, it used to be you know we 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 could sit down as a community and talk but no more we can we do that and you know i went blue for obama back in 08 and stuff like that and it's just now it just seems like some sort of authoritarian Issue, you can't even speak up. But in the local papers, uh, they're not really covering this. Basically, you have to dig deep and, and and sign up for you know email news from you know the Iowa Democratic Party to find these things out. So wow. yeah, it's kind of bad, in my opinion.
1: And I think the larger question is if the Republican Party in Iowa can get away with throwing the media out of their public sessions. Which state is next going to do it? Is this going to be the new thing? You know, Well,
2: wouldn't that be, again, the first, you know, the freedom of the press? Wouldn't that be kind of like against the First Amendment?
1: You would think, but the first, you know, I would think it's actually, you know, against transparency and government laws. But, right. you know, we'll see. Sean, thanks. Thanks for putting that on the radar <laughs> screen. That That's a very, very important yeah. story. Neil in Mul- Mukilo Washington. Hey, Neil, what's up?
0: Well, you were asking earlier about who was the Republican that said Republicans would never be elected again if it was easier to vote.
1: It was Trump, right?
0: Yeah, it was Donald Trump. Yeah. March 20th, 2020. There you go. He said it on Fox and Friends. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, so, Neil. He doesn't always lie, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there you go. Well said. Neil, thank you very much. Robert in Queens, New York. Hey, Robert, what's on your mind today?
5: Can Cheney, Liz Cheney... And maybe one other Republican come over to our side, the progressive side, or, or vote for this the, the oh uh, the filibuster to be repealed.
1: Can't we use That won't work because because uh, Cheney and Kinzinger are in the House of Representatives, and the filibuster is happening in the Senate. But there are Republicans in the Senate who are now calling out Donald Trump. You've got Mike Rounds, you've got Mitt Romney, um, you've got John Thune. I mean, they've just in the last week, they've all called out Trump. And so, but, but I'm of the cynical persuasion here with regard to Republicans. I think they're willing to call out Trump now because they have voter suppression laws in place in their states. And so they no longer need the big lie. Um, you know, right. I could be wrong, but I think fair. that's what's going on. So I, I really think this is going don't, to, I don't think we're going to get a lot of Republican votes. I think Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski are possible. Uh, Mitt Romney is possible but I'm, I'm not holding my breath about Rounds and Thune and, and, and these other guys, but that's, that's, so, so, go ahead.
5: So maybe we should put uh, all of our, uh, all of our thoughts and prayers and everything into those three.
1: <laughs> well, and phone calls, you know, 202-224-3121 I, I, I call, is the number for the Senate. Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah I uh, it's for the Senate, it's for
1: the Senate, oh wait. Yeah, it's, uh, this, is the, this is the switchboard on Capitol Hill. Um, you can just say, I want to talk to Senator uh, Romney's office, or you can say, hey, I, you know, I live in, well, you live in in New York. You can say, I want to tell you, you'd get, you know, Gillibrand or or Schumer. Um, or you can say, yeah. you know, I want to talk to, I mean, just name, and they'll just connect you. It's it's that simple. The number is 202-224-3121. Mm-hmm. That'll also get you every member of the House of Representatives, as well It's the Capitol switchboard, 202 224 Thirty-one twenty-one. Thanks a lot for the call, Bob in Tahlequah, or excuse me, in Tetonia, Idaho. Hey, Bob, what's on your mind today?
5: Tetonia, Idaho, in Teton uh-huh. County,
1: uh-huh. Idaho, cool. Teton County, Wyoming, home of Jackson Hole. As that is in, Ohio. as in the Grand Teton's. As in the Grand Teton's. I'm okay. right on the border of Idaho and Wyoming. Very cool. What's up? At the base
3: of that. So listen, uh, the, uh, the uh, that voter rights bill is going to go down in flames in the Senate. There, it isn't going to pass. So then, going to take it back to the House and and uh, uh, and pass the House bill again, and then bring it to
0: the Senate once. They more? They don't have
1: to do that. They they don't have to do that until after the uh, until after January of next year. It's still it's still a hot bill, even if it doesn't pass the Senate. In fact, if it looks like probably the last vote in the Senate uh, will be Chuck Schumer's um, because if he because he has the power to bring bills to the floor, but he can't bring a bill to the floor that he's already voted against um, uh, or voted for if he's going to vote the opposite way. So uh, you know, I'm guessing that Chuck Schumer will vote against it, so that he can bring it back up and vote for it. If if I'm making any sense here, um, but unusual, very
3: interesting. Yeah, I don't want to wait until after the uh, next election. No. Um, no. Here in November. Yeah. So, no, uh, we,
1: we can't. We've got it. We've got to do this because the next election may be may be decisive. It's it's certainly going to be played under these rules, these new rules that uh, have been put into place and in some 20 states now that are gonna make it much, much harder for Democrats to vote. So, uh, you know, I'm with you. Bob, thank you for that. Matt in Milwaukee. Hey, Matt, what's on your mind today?
5: Hey, Tom, Um, thank you for taking
2: my call. I, w- I wanted to mention, now, I hear the call for D.C. statehood all the time.
5: Yeah.
2: You know, and it seems like that it would be fair, yes. But yes. I, I'm more concerned that why aren't we calling for Puerto Rican statehood and making that more of an issue when they've, I remember hearing like maybe twice now that they've voted to actually become a state. So it, we're ignoring three million potential voters, two senators, a few Congress members, and a few electoral votes right there. Yep. And also, I also, agree. The, yeah. I agree with you Matt. about. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> but and when I, I hear them say that Election Day is a holiday, that would be a great idea. But then when the other side says, well, we have too many paid holidays, why can't we just get rid of Labor Day? That's like nothing holiday. Just get, And plus, it's only a well, month away from the election. Sadly, I, I would
1: say let's bring back Labor Day. Let's start celebrating labor. Let's, <laughs> you know.
2: Well, I I, I agree. With yeah, you want yes, a day, I, nuke day, nuke
1: Columbus Day. Although we're turning it now into <laughs> Indigenous Peoples Day, which which I think is a good thing. I I don't have a problem with uh, with all the federal holidays, Matt. Most countries have more than we do, so. But but I with regard to Puerto Rican statehood, I believe that the vote that they had was a non-binding vote that now, you know, it, but they're calling for it. Oh, I know. I know. It. I, I absolutely know. But there there is a legal step that Puerto Rico has to take that they haven't yet taken. But they haven't taken it because, you know, the, the U.S. Senate is or the Congress has not said, hey, we're ready to do this. Thank you for the thoughts. Fascinating. Ray in Miami. Hey, Ray, what's on your mind today?
4: You, Sama, thank you so much for your show program. I used to listen to you and W I N Z here in Miami years ago, and I really appreciate you. Well, Want you to know that. Yeah, I'm formerly uh, a driver for Martin Luther King Jr., and I grew up in the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. Done a lot of voter registration throughout the country, and a lot of organizing. I was assisted in the organization of the 1963 March on Washington, and I'm very. Um, Uh, excited that you have taken the position you have taken, because this is what Dr. King was was teaching us, that we have to learn to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Love your neighbor as yourself. If we did that, we wouldn't have wars. We wouldn't have all this division among the people, because what's good for the least of these, my brother, is good for all of the people. So we, you know, I'm just so grateful that there's still some people around like yourself and some of your listeners who called in. I'm just so grateful for them because, to me, Dr. King's words have not have been in vain. Yeah. People are hearing the truth and they're beginning to take a stand on the truth, and not on the party or the belief system that one is better than the other.
1: Yeah, and President uh, Biden is <laughs> his speech in Atlanta about this, and, and this, is, this is the really serious work we've got to do. And I'm already seeing it uh, that the Republicans are trying to push um, let's fix the, the, uh, Electoral Count Act so, so that, uh, and they say to prevent, to Trump proof the presidency is their, their quote, but actually what they would be doing since right now, you've got a Democrat in, as the vice president, Kamala Harris, is they would be preventing Joe Biden from stealing an election, which of course is not going to happen anyway, but, uh, they're going to try and fix the Electoral Count Act, which does need to be fixed and say, okay, job done. We don't need the John Lewis Voting Enhancement uh, or Advancement Act, uh, Voting Rights Advancement Act. We don't need the Freedom to Vote Act uh, because we just fixed the Electoral Count Act. Everything's good. You could just let, you know uh, go away and be happy. And uh, I, in fact, I saw on one of the message boards, I read regularly, some a Democrat saying, hey, look at this, well, they are gonna fix the Electoral Count Act. Isn't that great? We're gonna Trump for the presidency. Yeah, no, that's not what they're going to do. Trump is not going to have another another opportunity where he is president and his vice president is going to you know ram through the House of Representatives and election. Um, the Electoral Count Act can wait. It is not it's not even an issue anymore and probably never will be again. Um, but uh, I am very concerned, Ray, that these guys are going to use this Electoral Count Act fix as a stand in, just like they did with the with the bipartisan infrastructure bill as a stand-in for the Build Back Better. They're going to, you you know, uh, say, and then then you're going to have some Democrats who are going, well, we got a little bit, it's a little better than nothing, and and boom, our democracy is gone. There are two levels at which Republicans can filibuster legislation in the Senate. Um, You might have noticed that there have been a bunch of pieces of legislation that have been sent to the Senate from the House, including Build Back Better, uh, for which there has never been a debate in the Senate. There has, uh, we, as the American people, have not had an opportunity to see Democrats stand up and say, here's why we think that seniors should get eyeglasses and vision, and uh, you know, hearing and vision and dental work as part of Medicare, and then hear Republicans stand up and say, here's why we think seniors shouldn't be allowed to have that. We have literally not heard that debate. We have not heard a debate where, where you know, d- Democrats are, are standing up and, and saying this is why we need to expand, expand Medicaid. This is why we need to be building out our infrastructure. This is why we need to be bringing, you know, high-speed broadband to communities across the country. Uh, this is, I, you know, et cetera. I mean, just because we literally have never heard that debate because Republicans filibuster the debate itself before they even get to filibustering a vote on the legislation. Because there's, you know, it's a two-step process. First, you introduce the legislation, and then you debate it. And then after the debate, you vote on it. Well, the Republicans have been filibustering the debates. Now, the one way around this... And it's written into the Senate rule. This all has to do with weird Senate rules, right, which are all amendable. But this is this is the existing Senate rules right now. And one of the one of the Senate rules that has to do with the filibuster. Is that when a piece of legislation goes from the House to the Senate and then the Senate makes changes in it and sends it back to the House. And then the House makes more changes in it and sends it back to the Senate. And then the Senate makes even more changes in it and sends it back to the House. And then the House makes final changes to it and sends it back to the Senate. And the Senate, at that point, when a piece of legislation has gone back and forth three times, you cannot filibuster the debate. You can still filibuster the vote on it, but you can't filibuster the debate. So, the House comes up with the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act and the Freedom to Vote Act. They send it to the Senate. Senators, de- Democratic senators are tweaking, have, have made some tweaks to this legislation, and they're suggesting let's combine it into one bill, and they're sending it back to the House. Now that it's back in the House, it's going to be integrated into one piece of legislation, and my hope is, by the way, that it includes a change to the Electoral Count Act, so that we can take that off the board because that, that's gonna be the, the old, you know uh, we're gonna, uh, well, if you've heard my rant before on this, I, I really think they're gonna use the Electoral Count Act as the equivalent of the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Oh, we'll we'll pass this little piece of legislation, the, the Electoral Count Act, we'll fix the Electoral Count Act of 187, 18, what is it, 1887, I think it is. We will fix this piece of legislation and that is going to be our election fixes for the year. And they'll never get around to barring, uh, you know, b- voter suppression and and, and stopping, you know, closing down v- polling places in black neighborhoods and and replacing uh, nonpartisan voting officials with Republican operatives and all, you know they're, they're just all this stuff. So anyhow, the so the House then is going to send it back to the Senate if they haven't done it already. I think they're going to be doing it this week. And the Senate then, and this may happen today, it may happen tomorrow, it may happen this weekend because Chuck Schumer has promised a vote on this bill by Monday. Monday is Martin Luther King Day. The Senate then, you know, Chuck Schumer's going to put it on the floor and say, okay, we're going to have a debate. And the Republicans are going to say, no, no, we filibuster this. And Schumer's going to say, no, you can't filibuster it. This is the third cycle between the House and Senate. So we are going to have a debate. So Democrats are going to talk about the importance of voting rights, and Republicans are going to have an opportunity to stand up and defend their position that it should be harder for people to vote, particularly black people, particularly poor people, particularly rural people, particularly people who are over 65 who might be concerned about Medicare, particularly people who are going to college. Let's make it harder for them to vote. Republicans are going to have to justify that position. And it's going to get real interesting. So we'll see how this goes.
3: VR training platforms, like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International, are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
0: As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop.
3: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
2: As you write your life story, you're far from finished. EDU slash podcast.
1: What I'm to talk about is this, or share with you are my thoughts on this new thinking about the Republican senators who are now coming out and joining Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger in saying, yeah, Donald Trump lost the election. And how it is being characterized in the media. This all started last weekend on uh, George Stephanopoulos' show when Senator Mike Rounds of South Dakota was on with uh, Stephanopoulos on, on ABC, in fact, perhaps it wasn't the weekend, perhaps it was more recent than that. I'm sorry, I don't have the specific date here right in front of me. But, No, I'm pretty sure it was the weekend. In any case, Mike Rounds, the Senator Rounds of South Dakota, said, in response to this question from george stephanopoulos well here's what stephanopoulos said first he said what do you say to all those republicans all those veterans who believe the election was stolen who bought the falsehoods coming from former president trump this was stephanopoulos's question and mike round said we looked as a part of our due diligence we looked at over 60 different accusations made in multiple states while there were some irregularities there were none of the irregularities which would have risen to the point where they would have changed the vote outcome even in a single state. The election was fair, as fair as we have seen. We simply did not win the election as Republicans for the presidency. And moving forward, and that's the way we wanna look at this, moving forward, we have to refocus once again on what it's going to take to win the presidency. Now, of course, this provoked a, 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 a flurry of you know, spittle from, from Donald Trump. If Senator Reich Rounds of the great state of South Dakota just went woke, is he crazy or just stupid? I will never endorse this jerk again. And that little kind of, you know, internecine warfare is uh, being characterized by many in the media as proof that suddenly the Republican Party is running scared, that now they're, they're taking this seriously and they're frightened and they're worried and all this kind of stuff. I don't think so. Now, by the way, it's not just Mike Rounds. Mitch McConnell this week, after Mike Rounds said this this weekend, Mitch McConnell said, quote, I think Senator Rounds told the truth about what happened in the 2020 election. And then Senator uh, Kevin Kramer and Senator John Thune, Kramer from South Dakota, Thune from North Dakota. None of these guys are people who have to worry about their seats. They're all bulletproof. They, don't, they can ignore the voters, by and large, for, a, for at least for a while. They all agreed with Mike Rounds. Mitt Romney agreed with Mike Rounds. So now you've got this handful of Republican senators who are who are starting to say, no, Trump didn't lo- win the election. He's a loser. So the question is why? Why are they doing this? And... I don't think it's that they're running scared. I don't think it's that they are worried that embracing Donald Trump is going to ruin their electoral chances. I think, you know, there's, you can argue that, and that's a whole separate topic, but I think what's going on is that starting back in 1980, when, when, uh, I'm not sure if I have the audio of it here, I don't think I do, oh yeah, I do. Starting back in 1980, this was was Paul Weyrich in 1980 in a church in Dallas talking to a group of Republican Christian activists who were working on the Reagan campaign. Now, keep in mind, Paul Weyrich is the co-founder of the Heritage Foundation, a major, I mean, he's dead now, but a major power in the Republican Party helped make Ronald Reagan president. And this is what he had to say in 1980.
5: Now, many of our Christians have what I call the goo-goo syndrome, good government. They want everybody to vote. I don't want everybody to vote. Elections are not won by a majority of people. They never have been from the beginning of our country, and they are not now. As a matter of fact, our leverage in the elections quite candidly goes up as the voting populace goes down.
1: So, voter suppression has been part of the Republican strategy for a long, long time. You know, uh, William Rehnquist, the former sup- chief judge of the, of the U.S. Supreme Court, the guy who made George W. Bush president in 2000. It was his vote that made Bush president. In, in the 1960s, in the 1964 election, was running this thing called Operation Eagle Eye in Arizona, which is where Rehnquist was from. He was a big bear of a guy. He's over six feet tall. He would he would stand outside polling places where mostly Hispanic or Native American people would vote, and loudly challenge their right to vote, scare the hell out of them, and 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 you know proclaim how how many years they could spend in jail if they weren't citizens and if they were voting illegally and if they made any mistakes at all. And and you know the, the, I mean this is a intimidating voters, preventing voters from voting, um, uh, you know suppressing the democratic vote. This has been a strategy of the Republican Party forever. Well. At least since the sixties. And in a big way since that nineteen eighty election with Ronald Reagan. Which brings us to now. Donald Trump claiming that he actually won the election, every Republican knows that that's a lie. Every Republican knows that. I I you know, I I I, I thought about saying, well, maybe Marjorie Taylor Greene no, even Marjorie Taylor Green knows it's a lie. They all know it's a lie. So why did they embrace it up until just very recently? Because it was part of this lie that they were using with Operation Eagle Eye in 1964, that Paul Waywick was promoting in 1980, that they have used since, since the Motor Voter Act in 1993, as I recall, um, to argue that if we don't put into place really strict restrictions, if we don't make it hard to vote in the United States. Now, no other country in the world does this. Right? In most developed countries in the world, you get a ballot mailed right to you right to your home if you you know you you are registered to vote on your 18th birthday automatically in most fully developed democracies. It's not people don't stand in line for hours to vote anywhere else in the world, just in America. And it is just because this has been the Republican Party's strategy to try to keep young people from voting because they tend to vote democratic to try to keep minorities from voting because they tend to vote, racial minorities and gender minorities because they tend to vote Democratic, and to try to keep people over 65 from voting because they tend to vote Democratic because they want their Social Security and Medicare. So what, in my opinion, has happened here, just nakedly, right in front of us, is that when Trump started screaming that the 2020 election was stolen, The reason that elected Republicans all across the country, every state, federally, all of them, the reason it took this long for Mike Rounds and John Thune and Kevin Kramer and and Mitt Romney and and, uh, Mitch McConnell to tell the truth was because they needed that 12 months of Donald Trump promoting that lie so that in individual states and joe biden talked about this yesterday over 400 pieces of legislation that have now been made into law in in about 20 states that make it harder to vote so that those so that paul Weyrich's vision i don't want everybody to vote Can't, quite candidly our our leverage in the election goes up as the voting populace goes down so that that could be accomplished and now it is done They have convinced more than 70% of the Republican Party that we we have to have voter suppression because there's all this election fraud going on. They've even convinced 20, 25% of the Democratic Party that there's some kind of hanky-panky going on. And, and, you know, 30, 40% of independents. Mission accomplished. They've got their voter suppression laws in place. Mitch McConnell's on the floor of the Senate right now basically crowing about this. You know, now the Democrats want to try and change everything. Right. The bottom line is that the Republican Party can only win elections if everybody does not vote. When everybody votes in much of this country, Republicans lose. Now, I'll give you, you know, if everybody voted in Wyoming, you'd probably still have Republicans, you know, winning. But Wyoming is not the United States. I mean, it's part of the United States, but it's not, you know, it's not the majority of the United States. In most of the United States, in order for Republicans to win, they have to suppress the vote. Particularly in Georgia and Texas. This is the Tom Hartman program. And a few other swings states, in Arizona, too. And that's and, and Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin. And that's what they're all about. Whoa, sweet man cave. Jerry in Memphis, Tennessee. Hey, Jerry, what's up? I'm Arkansas, uh, thank you. I'm a farmer over in Arkansas. You're in Arkansas. Hey. I thought you were in Tennessee. Yeah.
5: No, I'm a farmer from Arkansas, I'm 81 years old. Okay. And Trump has done more for the United States than any president I have ever known of. And they you all talking him down on there. And I think that's wrong. So Jerry, think, what what has Trump done for America? What has he done? Yeah. What heck done? He done everything he said he'd do.
1: Really? He really? Brought, he brought he brought our jobs brought back my, from China. No. He brought. He raised. He raised, yes, he 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 raised people's wages. He, no. Yes. He He, he, he gave health care to everybody in America at a lower price than Obamacare. No. Yeah, he tried. Hey, don't. don't Jerry, don't the one hands. thing Donald don't, Trump did is he don't gave don't a bunch time. of billionaires like him. Two and a half trillion dollars worth of tax cuts. That's the only thing he did. That was the only legislative accomplishment he had. And he talked a lot. And a lot of people believed the the, the things he was saying, sadly. Apparently, you're one of them. But really, the only accomplishment, the only thing that he did. Oh, and he also, his first, the one, the one piece of legislation before the tax cut was a bill that allows coal mining operations to dump their toxic waste containing arsenic and mercury in our nation's rivers so that downstream children get poisoned. Those are the two things that Donald Trump did. Please name something else he did.
5: Hey, he put the United States to work. He put
1: the he put the
5: minority. Trump was work.
1: averaging fewer than two hundred thousand jobs a month throughout his you throughout talk, before the pandemic. Before the pandemic, so much, he kept Jerry. This is an example economy. of it. He kept saying we got the strongest economy the tongue, ever. Man. We you talk
5: with a forked your tongue,
1: your own. Jerry, look he at the numbers.
5: The and in one
1: year, had. Joe Biden has created more jobs than Donald Trump did in four. Joe
5: Biden ain't done nothing except run this country. He, he took, has created he took all the energy away from us. He gave everything to Japan and Russia, and he, did, he gave them the pipeline da, in Russia. Donald he Trump was dancing pipeline. to Russia's tune, Jerry. Where were you? He oh, it all, have you? You don't have man. any. Sin. You believe in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. That's the most important thing. Uh, Yeah, you don't believe in Jesus Christ. I I guarantee you,
1: Jerry, Donald Trump doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to end it at that. Jerry, thanks a lot. Good luck. Paul in Portland. Paul, you're on the air. What's up?
3: Hey, Tom, just wanted to make one reference to the uh, peril book I've been reading. Not quite finished, but significant point. There's a, a line in the book about Trump turning to the picture of his father on the wall, saying, I grew up with the biggest Nazi of them all. Oh, really? I just, oh, yeah. When, where did yeah. that come from? This is out of the Peril book. It's Woodward and Costa, right? Right, 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 yeah. that one, yeah. That was pretty significant
1: to me to get. yeah, okay. I grew up with true. the biggest Nazi of them all. That's amazing. And he wasn't speaking metaphorically. He wasn't talking about uh, Fred being a harsh father.
3: Uh, no, there was some conversation going on about the German chancellor at the time, what was going on with you know, their relationship.
1: So he literally imagined that his dad was yeah, a, he, a follower of Hitler yeah it pretty wow. much said it wow that's amazing I get it I get it Paul thank thank you for that uh, I think yeah <laughs> it's, it's pretty grim but yeah you know, I know <laughs> yeah yeah thanks a lot for the okay. call good talking to you Kathy in Seattle hey Kathy what's up
2: I'm kind of a snowbird, and I'm down here in Florida right now, and I just thought that you would like an update if you haven't already been aware. But uh, last week in the paper, they had a little article about they're going to be putting, um, well, they're going to vote on it, but they're going to want to put cameras and also microphones in the classrooms and from every angle, so everything that's talked about will be recorded.
1: All right. This is the war on teachers. This is the war. What you're seeing is, in, in part, I mean, there's... We're seeing a coalition of people who have different agendas coming together around one issue here. You've got people who don't think that there should be public education at all. And there's a large number of those people, a surprisingly large number. This is a basic tenet of libertarianism, which is what David Koch ran for president on in 1980, which is end all public education. All all education of our children should be done by the family or it should be done in, in by you know a corporation or a church, somebody who has some specific the benefit to get out of it uh number one so you've got an anti-education agenda then number two you've got an agenda that wants to maintain white supremacy that wants to maintain the mythology that uh you know slaves were treated well and they loved being enslaved in, enslaved and and uh you know it was a good economic model and and uh, you know we didn't really kill off all those indians we just uh, you know it was an accident we brought the flu sorry um, and, and those kinds of stories. So, you know, in order to maintain this myth of, of uh, manifest destiny that, you know, white people from Europe were meant by God to take over this continent and, and, and are meant by God to continue doing that. And, 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 then, and then there's probably a few other, you know, um, the, 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 the weirdnesses, you know, the people who are just generally mistrusting of anything that the government does. And you throw all this together, and this is what you get, is, you know, let's harass our teachers to the point that they throw their hands up and quit.
2: Well, I was thinking more in terms of Big Brother, you know, yeah. all these cameras and everything going, they're going to the very basis of our society.
1: Yes, you're absolutely right. And this is the Big Brother that they keep claiming they're trying to fight, but they uh, you're absolutely right. They are becoming that Big Brother. Thank you, Kathy. Thanks for sharing that. That's uh, that's. Big, grim news, but here we go. Bob in Desert Hot Springs, California. Hey, Bob, what's on your mind today?
3: Hey, Tom, uh, I just want to say that you got a great program. Thank you. And I wanted to, you're welcome. And I wanted to make an observation about whether Trump knew or not about the insurrection. If you remember when he had one of the debates with President Biden and he was asked about the Proud Boys, uh, he told them, stand back and stand down. For me, that was a message right there that something was brilliant.
1: Yeah, he said, stand by, not stand back. But yes, uh, and it okay. should have been a huge red flag. Yeah, you're absolutely right.
3: And can I make another observation? Certainly. Last week on your show, you were taking names for the uh, Republican Party. And I, I, I got a good name for it, okay. uh, the, the, part, the, the party of make-believe.
1: It, it really has become that, hasn't it? It's, it's, uh, it's tragic, but it really has become that. Uh, Bob, thanks. Thanks. Nice to hear from you. I appreciate your uh, input. Gary in Overland Park, Kansas. Hey, Gary, what's on your mind today?
3: Yeah, Tom. I uh, don't know whether Trump is the Antichrist, but I do think he's the successor to the Scopes Monkey Trial in religious terms. How so? Uh, in In 1925, the religious fundamentalists refused to accept any of the evidence of Darwin's theories, and they didn't give a damn about facts. And the views of Trump are the same type of thing, where he says the election was stolen, despite all the facts. The Mm -hmm. climate uh, crisis is fake news, despite all the facts. And Trump will have a trial, too. And some of this may actually get injected into the trial. And it's important to know that after the Scopes Monkey trial... Uh, In the 1930s, the evangelicals and the fundamentalists who had supported the opposition to uh, evolution became strangely quiet compared to what they'd been in the 20s. And it lasted throughout the 30s and the 40s. You didn't really see a resurgence of fundamentalism until around 1970. So we can hope that if Trump has a trial... And it's a trial of truth versus fiction, like the Scopes Monkey trial was. And since Trump's followers are very similar to some of the followers of the Scopes Monkey trial, we can hope that there might be some change.
1: I, You know, Gary, I, I share your perspective on this. I have been saying probably a little more indirectly than I should, but for some time that um, this is a fever and uh, it's either going to go full, uh, you know, we're, we're going to end up with the American political system flipping fascist for a generation or two, just like Germany did and Italy did and Spain did and, and uh, Chile and others, or something is going to break the fever, and the mm-hmm. failure of January sixth might have begin been the beginning of that process, and a trial against Donald Trump, even if it's a trial for you know uh, not paying his taxes, you know, a line about his property ta- values and things like that. Um, although mm-hmm. I, I think that's going to have a lot less juice, but that's what they're going after him in New York State for. But I think that a trial of Donald Trump, a public trial of him, um, m- may work to do that. I, I don't know. I think,
3: it very, I think it very well could. A judge will have control of a trial that Trump won't like, yeah. and what Trump can and can't lie about will, will be affected. Yeah. So I, I have some optimism about it.
1: Gary, thanks a lot for the call. Something has to burst the fever, or we're really in trouble. Okay, here's what North Carolina voters are saying. This I've been waiting for this to happen. You'll recall, oh gee, months ago, maybe maybe even a year ago, in the months following the January 6th insurrection. I actually no, it couldn't have been that long ago because January. Well, yeah, January 6th was a year ago. Anyhow, months ago, I was pointing out that the 14th Amendment to the Constitution explicitly clearly unambiguously says that if you engaged in an insurrection against the United States or participated in it or aided it you may not run for public office now obviously when the when the 14th Amendment was passed back in the 1870s it was directed at former Confederate traitors but Hey, it's right there in black and white, and it's part of the Constitution. It's been ratified by the states and everything. So now a group of North Carolina voters are trying to disqualify Madison Cawthorn, the right-wing frat boy, uh, from from running for re-election. And they're saying that the reason they think he should not be able to run for re-election is because on January 6th, he got out there and he spoke in... in in favor of attacking the United States. Um, He was at the Save America rally on the morning, uh, (laughs) so-called, on the morning of the riot. And he said, uh, this crowd has some fight in it. The Democrats, with all the fraud they've done in this election, the Republicans hiding and not fighting, they're trying to silence your voice. Make no mistake about it, they do not want you to be heard. In other words, he was whipping the crowd into a frenzy to go try to murder Mike Pence and, and Nancy Pelosi and try to stop the counting of the election. That's an insurrection. And the fourth, 14th Amendment is unambiguous. This is no, having a, any member of Congress who having, no, excuse me, no one can serve in Congress, quote, who having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same. I would think that you would have voters all across the United States who would be making this argument and saying that, you know, the, the, uh, the sedition caucus should not be allowed to run for re-election. We'll see. We'll see. This may not be the end of it. I mean, they, there's literally a bunch of voters who are suing. They're going to the courts and saying, we want this remedy. This is the first time, to the best of my knowledge, the 14th Amendment has been invoked this way, at least in my lifetime. <sighs> also, this is a picture the picture of the moment over at DU. Right on cue. Republicans blame uh, uh, Biden for covid. Right. Uh, House Republicans call for oversight into Biden's failed covid-19 response. This was this morning. You heard this whole, you know, in, in, in the Senate, uh, let's question uh, Fauci and and, uh, you know, all the all the various doctors and administrators and bureaucrats who work at the CDC, et cetera. House Minority Whip Representative Steve Scalise, Republican from Louisiana, the guy who ran for office saying he was David Duke without the baggage. Uh, House Minority Whip Steve Scalise and Representative James Comer of Kentucky on Monday called on House Democrats to hold a hearing on what they said was President Biden's failed handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. Right. These are the, these are the guys who told us that hydroxychloroquine is all we need, that COVID is a hoax, uh, this is uh, from the du gra- the graphic scientists are lying to you. Hey, consider drinking your urine. Vaccines are dangerous. Mass are tyranny. Oh, it's just the flu. Mandates are communism. Gather together in large numbers. Don't follow Biden's advice. Amazing. So for a whole year, they have been well, really for two years, but you know, just since Biden became president, they, these guys, the Republicans in Congress have been running around saying, we're not going to wear a mask. Marjorie Taylor Greene, I've got $90,000 in fines for not wearing a mask. Isn't that wonderful? I refuse to. Don't wear a mask. Don't believe, you know, quack, 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 right? All this stuff, pushing their people in red counties all across the United States to get sick, to get long COVID, which appears to be happening to about half of people who have symptomatic COVID and to die. And now they're saying, oh, my God, look at this. In our red counties, we've got we're, we're losing Republican voters left and right. I mean, they're dropping like flies or they're getting so sick and they're realizing that we lied to them. We've got to blame this on somebody else. How about Joe Biden? Let's blame it on him. Now, I will give you for the you know conservatives who are listening. I will give you that when Omicron first reared its ugly head in South Africa, the Biden administration, in my opinion, should have acted faster, but at least they acted and they continue to act in good faith. They're doing what they think is best. That is absolutely the opposite of what happened during the Trump administration when they were trying to force people back to work because Donald Trump was afraid that anything that hurt the economy would hurt his re-election chances.